Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's your man, Cook Boy, and welcome back to the Good Living Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about therapizing yourself. And therapizing yourself is doing therapy for yourself, whatever issue you might have in your life that makes you need therapy. This is just for you to do it yourself. And I've done this myself for a while to myself. And if I seem, if I seem uh, happy, content, and like level-headed most of the time, it's because of how I'm able to therapize myself most of the time. And that's exactly what therapizing is. And that's how I use it. But just to explain further what it is, you know, uh, it is is the formula you use to find out the origin of the problems you have in your life. And then from there, you can pick up on, on solutions that you can use against those problems. And that's exactly what it is to therapize yourself. And a lot of people just go through life without even wondering why certain things are the way they are, without questioning anything. You just let life carry them. And I don't want that to be me. And I also don't want that to be you, which is why this episode exists in the first place. There are a few steps, there are a few things that you need to do, things that you have to note if you want to start therapizing yourself. And the first thing is to be honest with yourself. Uh, to be honest with yourself, a lot of people don't think that they can lie to themselves. A lot of people don't think that they're living in any form of delusion whatsoever. But that in itself could be a delusion in the first place. And you don't know and you would never know if nobody tells you. I'll give you an example of people who lie to themselves. For example, if you think, you know there is a certain way that you have, you have been perceived by people. And because of that, maybe that feel-good feeling that people perceive you in this way, you forget that you are not perfect and you forget that there is a side to you that exists that these people do not know about. This is why they perceive you the way they perceive you. If you're honest with yourself and you're honest with them completely or they knew everything about you, they wouldn't have the respect they have for you. They wouldn't have the, you know, whatever feeling, whatever feeling that it is they get from seeing you. You wouldn't have that. Being honest with yourself is like, as a girl, if you look in, forget all the things that you, all the pictures on your Instagram and all the pictures on your social media, you might know that you're beautiful. But, when you are about to take your bath, between you and your mirror, when you take off your clothes and you look in the mirror and you turn sideways and you see people who know me are going to start laughing. But yeah, but you see your true shape. That's God, you know, and you and you and you recognize that that is who you are. So, but if you're able to actually know and recognize within yourself that oh. I understand that everybody, when they see me walk past, they think I'm hot. But in front of this mirror, I can see that my breast is not perfect. My body is not perfect. Probably the only thing you have going for you is your bum bum. Men too, the same thing. There are places where, and things that you would have done in your life at the age that you are right now that you've not done. And you might pretend that, okay, it's okay to come. But you, also, you know that, that's not, that you could have done better with you. Especially with the opportunities that have come and that you have squandered. You know that you should have done better with your life. So that's what being honest with yourself is. That's the baseline for therapizing yourself in the first place. It's understanding those impurities that you have. If you are brought down to your raw state, what are the impurities? The second thing is one principle of life that I call fuck or be fucked. I don't know. I think I couldn't think of a better way to name it. But <laughs> my brother is looking at me. <laughs> okay, but fucked is... is uh, in life, is it that you do or it gets done to you? That's what I mean by fuck or be fucked. I'm going to digress a little bit. There is this thing that women know that they have. They have the power to their way out of every situation. Whatever it is, just think of any, you know, not obviously not everybody's going to take sex as payment for anything. 
but they know that they can play that card at least, right? So be it in school, you want to get good grades, you can, you can, you know, they can sell your body for good grades. They want to get a car. If you sell your body to the right person, you get a car. If you want a new house and you don't have enough money to pay for the house, the agent or the seller or whatever, you can complete your payment with cryptocurrency and it will be accepted. Like, there's nothing. If you're begging for your life and you, you know, just think about anything. So, that being said, men don't realize that they have this power until they go to prison. And this prison is why, is where I got this, um, um, this from so in prison there is always the fear of being raped as a guy you get in prison rape happens like you know you get you get abused sexually okay disclaimer here i've never been to prison but you know now from movies and interaction with people i know this happens right everybody knows that people get raped in prison and in prison if you are not a homosexual <laughs> you have to establish yourself as someone that they cannot mess with you understand and they cannot rape at least and so for you not to be violated i believe that when push comes to shove and when there's a decision to be made you have to violate somebody i'm not saying that i'm not understand what i'm saying figuratively not literally right so if you're in prison would you rather be the person that is scared to bend down and pick up the soap or you want to be the person that people are scared of picking up soap around you not necessarily because you're a rapist, but because they know if you have to do one thing, you will bend them over instead of you bending them. So, is let me just direct it to life. Right in life, if you're not doing something, if you're not acting, somebody will use you as a prop for their own action. So, is you have to act, or they will use you in activity. That's why in life you see people who go through life doing the thing that they want to do, and then there's also people who are doing the things that people want them to do and then they get paid for and they, they get paid for it and i'm not saying that that is bad whatever gives you satisfaction in life i think that is what you should go for but at the end of the day if you know that you're not happy or satisfied being a tool then you have to change up and now be the one that is taking action that's exactly that's just what i'm trying to say so for you to apply yourself you have to put yourself in a, in a place where you're, you're comfortable with what you're doing comfortable with your life and being honest with yourself will help you realize this will help you realize if you're actually being or you're, or you're welcome to the good living podcast another thing you have to realize is that nobody cares i mean literally nobody cares for you or your life or your existence or your plans as much as you do nobody will ever care in life as much as you do and you can say okay all these people that used to start one research and then die and leave it and people other people pick it up they pick it up for personal gains they pick it up because of what they see that picking it up can do for them, not for the person that died. So everything you care about and everything you care about doing with your life is your responsibility, 100%. And this is one of the reasons why I'm very, very appreciative of every like, every comment, every view I get on social media, on, on whatever I post. Because I know that people took time out of their lives to pour into my own life either by viewing my stuff or by commenting on my stuff so shout out to everybody who is watching this right now the only people that really do care about your life anywhere close to as much as you do would be family members especially your parents the people that brought you into this world the only ones who feel that pure sense of responsibility for you aside that is all you is all you if you want one naira today it is your responsibility there's nobody's responsibility like this for them to give you one naira as long as you're an adult and then one of the main aims of therapy is to find out why you act the way you do, why your life is the way it is, why you feel the things that you feel, you know. 
and why you think the way you think. Just why are you who you are as an adult now? Why are you not this other person? Why don't you have the same mindset this other person has? And I think that's the baseline for the therapy. And there's a method. I don't, I'm calling it the childhood method, but I think this is just the only way to find out. Not only childhood, child, because childhood doesn't solve everything. Ah, shit. Everything that you are today has a, you know, has a foundation. And everything that you feel like you can do or you cannot do, there's a reason why for that. Personally, I do not think anything in this world happens by chance. I am not saying everything is a conspiracy theory. I'm just saying there is a formula for every outcome. There is a roadmap for every destination. Everything that you are right now is a destination. And there was a certain set of activities, occurrences, events that led you to the way of life you have now or the thinking or the worldview that you have now. And you have to find it. But if there is a problem with you that you do not, that you cannot solve, you have to find a way to trace how you got there. For example, I I don't steal. I can never steal. Stealing is just awful. I, I can do. I can. There are different crimes that I might be able to commit here, yeah, but stealing is not one of them. And I started thinking to myself, why? Why? Why is it so? Because I didn't really think about it or ask myself this question until recently, where you know I had dealings with somebody and then they were kind of insinuating that I stole from them, and. Or I, you know, and different times where I've had um, situations where, you know, we're in a room, plenty of us here, yeah? and then somebody, I'm just going to go out and say it as honestly as I can. So there's a situation where I was in a room, we used to live in the room together. It was a short period of my life though, but I used to live in the room together with a lot of people, about five of us. Now, there are some of us who already had money then, and then some of us who didn't have money. And occasionally with boys who would like borrow clothes, you know, Borrowing clothes was not really my thing, my thing, but I had borrowed clothes from that from this person. And when any of his items would go missing, yeah, there were always two suspects. Me and the other guy that didn't really have money. And not that they would put it in my face and like accuse me like that, like that, but you know, he would say it's either you or you, like me or the other guy, or between three of us. And I hated the fact that they would put me in that category. I hated it. Like I was not even seeing the fact that yo, you're the one that is not as buoyant as other people. So when it comes to motive, you probably have a reason to have taken that shirt or to have taken that phone or whatever it is that will be missing. And me myself, I was just always so upset. Why is it so? Why are you blaming me? And I couldn't see why. And then and I asked myself, wait, though, why am I even always upset? Why do I think I could never steal? Why is it said that I could never I can never steal? And then and I went back to start thinking, have I stolen before? And I remembered, I've stolen before. Oh, I have to have stolen, Jesus. So when I was younger, like, um, should I say 13, 14, my mom had a shop, my stepmom had a shop, she still has that shop in Benny Links. Um, and during holidays, as children, would go over to the shop to help out, what I would do with our time, I would go to the shop and help out. And I used to pinch money from the shop. Every once in a while, you know, 100, 200, I used to pinch money. And just for no <clears throat> real reason, just to um, <clears throat> to buy a time, call girls, just not to lack again, so I can buy sweet biscuit, whatever I needed. I think I don't want to ask anybody. But that was why I was pinching those money, and nobody ever found out. And then I got greedy. I'm summarizing the story heavily, but yeah, I got greedy. And then I used to swap some money before, 200. You know, day where there was heavy market or heavy traffic, I could pay 500 and nobody would notice. But like I said, I got greedy. And it was the time there was money there. And then I swiped 1k. 
It's 1,000 Naira. Again, they noticed. Now, I'm saying they because my stepmom and there was also an auntie that used to be in the shop as well. So, on average, used to be like two or three in the shop every time. And then they noticed 1,000 Naira is missing from here, they said. And, you know, I kept denying it. It's not me. I didn't take any money. And I, hid, I can't remember where I hid that money. I can't remember if they searched me or not because stealing is not something that is a regular occurrence. It's not, it wasn't even ever an occurrence in my family or in my household. So, I don't think they had it in them to search me from the shop. We went home. Mom told my dad, I'm the prime suspect. I got beaten that day, you know, for me to confess that I stole this money. I denied it. Completely denied it. I didn't take this money. I didn't take this money. I kept begging. My father beat me properly that day. Denied it the entire day and then went back home. I saw I went to my room. And the following day, and my dad has this habit where if he beats us as children and you're crying, you know, when we were very, very small, he would console you after beating you. It was almost a shorty. Like, once he has beat you, eh, if you cry close to him, he will console you. Tell you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, stop crying. You know, now you don't have to, don't do that stuff. If you do this, this will happen. You know, try to explain to you why he beat you, but telling you not to cry too much. So, and I didn't really understand that, but now I'm understanding that it's just that love that parents have for children is so deep that they can't even bear to see you go through pain, even if that pain is a necessary pain. So, the next day, my dad came and apologized to me for beating me, but you know. And it was a short apology and he went back to the job and I felt bad. I felt, I felt, you know, very terrible. And just shortly after he went to his own room, I followed him with the 1K. Because I just thought to myself, all this whole thing, this uncertainty, in my household there is this complete trust, 100% trust between every member of the household is unreal. It's when I went out to the outer, outer world that I realized that people are actually fucked too. But in my house, it's 100% trust, even till today. So, I said, there all this headache, all this uncertainty, this money has lost. Nobody actually knows where the money went and everybody is quiet. There's too much, there's too much, there's like this heavy weight, you know, there's this darkness in the, in the house that for this nonsense 1,000, it's just too much. So I went to my father's room with the money and I, and I showed him and I told him it's, it was me. I was just too scared to admit it when he was beating me because I thought he would kill me. But, you know, it was me that stole the money. And, and then I gave him. And he didn't beat me, he just, you know, he was disappointed obviously, but he treated me with love and just sent me on my way. And I didn't have to apologize to the whole family or anything, but everybody eventually knew, my sister, my brother, my stepmom, everybody. And how did he deal with that situation? I said, you know, as a child growing up in an African home, middle class African home, you don't have everything in access to you, you know, you, can, you don't have access to every single thing. You know, if you see an ad for like mini noodles on TV, you might ask your parents. Most likely, they will say no if you ask for something immediately. I want daddy. I want a new piano. They will say no. But and that is the that is the experience I was used to as well. You know, our beverages were not on the dining table for everybody to see. When we needed to make tea, my mom would go and bring it from wherever it is, and then we we'll make tea and bread or whatever. And they started giving me this pity attitude where they would give me everything I wanted. You know, does she really want to eat bread? I let him have the bread when I know personally. In, you, you cannot just go and eat anything you like. We have food. There's enough for breakfast. There's enough for, there's enough for dinner. It's just gluten that will make you want anything extra. And I always like to eat extra food since I was small. So they were indulging my gluttony. And I felt guilty with that. I was like, this is not... I feel like an outcast even though they were giving me everything I wanted. And it was just... That thing happened like within just the following week, within the space of a week. All of that died down and I became... I was reintegrated. But that made me feel really, really bad. Like I was not part of the family. Like, like they were pitying me. 
and I didn't like that feeling at all. And I don't know, I, even, it's until I thought about it, you know, this is what you're advising yourself, it's until I thought about it, that I now realize, oh, this is why I never really feel the urge to take anybody's thing, ever. Because of that feeling. And this brings me to something. Your formative years. You, we, we hear formative years, formative years, formative years. Is, you understand, even from the definition, or from the... Nah, from the word itself, you understand what formative years are. It is the years that shape who you are as an adult. So, whatever happens in your formative years are going to stick with you to old age, which is why parenting is like it's the most important job on earth. Raising a child, because at the end of the day, majority of the earth is adults, and adults that are raised a certain way. And if you raise a million babies in a fucked up manner, you're going to have a fucked up world because the world is going to be filled up with people. So, that happened in my formative years. And that was the first time I was caught stealing, and that, that is how it was handled. And as far as I'm concerned, it worked. So, what happens in your formative years could now impact your future. So, whatever your problem might be, if you think about your first experience with that issue, how was it handled in your formative years? Then you can find a solution to it. You can find out, oh, Oh, it was handled poorly and that is why I'm still fucked up. Or you can realize the why you know, why would you never hit the woman? Some people beat women because let me let me let me digress a little bit here. Let me not digress, let me just say something different. People think therapy is like, oh, I'm not I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to say once something happened in your childhood, this is how it's going to happen in your future. There's way too many variables that come together to form one trait that an adult has. So, if somebody beats his wife as an adult, it's not because he saw his father beating his wife, his, his mom. That's why he grew up to start beating his own wife. There are people whose parents were beating, whose fathers were beating their mother, and they grew up and said they would never touch a woman. There are people whose parents, whose fathers were beating their moms, and they grew up and they were beating their own wives too. So, there's a combination of different things. Just that one thing could be the baseline thing. The things that you might be dealing with as an adult now, if you have an addiction to kleptomania, if you have kleptomania, you have an addiction to stealing, you can think about the first time you stole. How was it handled? Or have you been get, were you getting away with stealing so much? Or was it encouraged? Is that why you are where you are now? Just ask questions about the origin of the, of the problems you have. It could be different issues that adults are dealing with today. It could be your alcoholism. If you are addicted to alcohol, is that your father used to drink a lot or he told you it was a normal thing so you grew up believing alcohol was just like water until you met other people and then you realized oh shit i'm fucked up you know so the different things and if you therapize yourself then you can find a way to start bringing out bringing up solutions coming up with solutions because everything in your life everything about your life is you to solve it because the universe is not going to make your life your sole responsibility if it did not put in you let me not say you know let me say god god do not make you responsible 100% for your own life if he did not put in you enough to guide your life to a, to, a, to, to a satisfactory end for you. So you have it in you to solve all the problems you have. It's just, would you do it? Would you think about the ways? Because you also have the thinking faculty to be able to list out solutions or, you know, you have problem-solving skills. If you're going to put them to use, you, might, you will solve all your problems. It's facts. If you're going to put your problem-solving skills to use, you will solve all your problems. People just don't do that, and that is why they end up having problems until they die. So, therapizing yourself is looking back, looking back at how your problem started and finding the roots, especially if it's a behavioral problem. Everything, if you start... 
but I'm trying to digress to something to a very very far topic. Now to say stammering in Jesus Christ method. So you can use this method in every in every ramification of life in every way. So your formative years are extremely important and Formative years are not are not your early. There's no there's no time frame for your formative years. And people say okay, zero to ten are the formative years, ten to eight formative. No, it depends on the experiences, right? Your formative years for how you eat, how you walk per se, could be in your earlier years. But how you deal with relationships, how you deal with friendships, those ones, your formative years is whenever it is that you first started experiencing stuff like that. For example, there are people who will tell you, ah, all men cheat, all men cheat. And it is because in their formative years, it was already, you know, you know, a child is like a blank paper. And experiences is like ink on that blank paper, writing stuff. So I wish everybody could just say whatever they are saying and put in my experience as the prefix. So whatever it is that anybody is telling you, oh, Chinese people are racist. In my just in my experience, these people are racist. All men, are, in my experience, all men are cheats. In my experience, men are aggressive. In my experience, people are like it would make more sense because it is you that has the experience, not anybody else. And so, people's opinions on these matters are more um, plausible. I was looking for a simpler word. Are more plausible than others because they have much more experience than you do. If I have met every single Chinese person on earth and I tell you Chinese people are racist, you believe me more. My word is, my word is, holds more water than somebody who just went there, met only like 14 people and came back and told you that they are racist or they are not racist, you know. So that's how it goes. The same thing with every other, you know, aspect of life. So in your relationship, if you cannot, if you find it difficult to trust people in your life, it's because the first time, you know, from, let's say, let's say you have five formative bags of trust, right? You have five bags of trust in your formative years. You have five bags of trust to use to form how your trust will be over the length of your life. So you give the first bag to this person, they tear it open, ruin it. You give the second bag to this person, tear it open, ruin it. You give the third bag, they keep it safe. You give the fourth bag, tear it open, give the fifth bag, tear it open. Your trust scale is one over five. It means everybody you meet, you're going to start off with them with a 1 over 5 level of trust. And they have to take, they have to do a lot to earn that 5 over 5. To earn your complete trust, they have to do a lot. Meanwhile, that's how it is. Somebody who gives, gave everybody, and the, the first five people they gave trust to, all of them guarded it, they, also, they trust people to you this day. When they meet new people as adults, from the sixth person they start entrusting, you know, giving trust to, and that person fucks them up. Oh, it's going to be so painful. But still, they already used to trusting people early. So they say, my problem, I told they trust people quick. I told they trust people quick. And you know people are not trustworthy, but you keep trusting them quick. Why do you think that is? It's because your first formative bags of trust were all secured successfully. And so this is new to you, but you cannot go back and change it. And it's the same thing with every other experience. Think of it as... The same thing with relationships. People don't like love. They don't like relationship. They don't want to get entangled because they got into a first relationship. Oh, it did them dirty. Got into a second relationship, it did them dirty. So out of the five relationships they got in, maybe only one worked, and maybe the person died, you know, or to something tragic. So they just don't want to even hear about it. And it's not because they are bad people or relationships are actually bad, but it's their experience. And that is what makes everybody. So I'm not here to actually do therapy for you. I'm just here to show you how you can do it for yourself and how that can help you. 
solve all your problems and keep you level-headed keep you happy content and satisfied most of the time because you know the root of all your problems and you know what they say finding the problem is half the solution so that's that but i'm not going to leave you without telling you why you should do this because obviously why are you going to listen cook but i don't mean like therapy or anything like that i just felt like this is going to help but why you should do this one it makes you a better person if you understand you know your level of self-awareness you don't understand how attractive self-awareness is you know when somebody is self-aware like they know the thing that you're thinking about them some obvious things about them that you might be thinking but they know it so they even joke about it before you can use it to shame them like for example i find myself talking a lot when i'm around people that i'm comfortable with like talking like a lot which is why i do this see me i've been talking for almost 30 minutes so when you do that much talking i'm aware that i do that much talking and i rant and i tend to talk a lot so before you tell me if i if i catch myself and i say i'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing this in a game where i talk so much and other people will be like no don't worry i'm enjoying it i don't believe them but you know at least i'm aware i'm aware of everything i'm aware that you know <laughs> i'm not going to say something but i'm not going to say that one but i'm aware that i have an open seat you know i'm aware of all these things and it keeps you self-aware and if you're self-aware people can't really what can they hit you with you know you know, what can I hit you with? Okay, you're a girl, you have a big stomach. You come out and say, eh, me, me with my big stomach. Nobody can shame you about your stomach if you, if you already know it's big, you know? And so you're doing it for yourself. For yourself, you're just going to live a better, more fulfilled, happier life, generally. And then for your children, and I know not everybody has children, but the reason I'm saying for your children is because, like I said, parenting and the formative years are what leads to whoever you are as an adult. And if you can fix yourself before having children, just imagine the level of skill, the high accuracy and precision you will use to shape your children into proper adults. If you already have all this information firsthand about yourself, about your DNA, about your tendencies, about the things you know that you are likely to pass on to your children. And you can now train them to maneuver those things even before it even gets to them. You know, somebody that you might, you might have known when you were younger to be very, very aggressive and have very short temper and you now see his child and the child is so cool so calm and you live long enough to see this child grow into a young adult and you see that he, he you know shows no traits of all the negative things that his father or his mother used to have and you might wonder why why is he the same father at all it's just because that man before he had that child or why the child was still quite young a baby or whatever he was able to sort himself out and then he trained that child impeccably and that's how life just be. I'm sure you know the next generation they are breathed fine. I mean, in an ideal world, this would this would work, but but I guess I guess we live where we live, so we have to make do with the world that we're in. So for your children, I mean, you have to do it for them. And then remember, people always go for therapy when they are depressed. Depression therapy, depression therapy. It never helps. It's because this thing. I know exactly what I want to say, but it's the words that are kind of failing me. What I'm trying to say is, it helps you not to be depressed. Okay, for example, if you're already depressed and I'm telling you to therapize yourself, what do you do? It, the, it's, what you should look for is satisfaction and it helps you with satisfaction. Therapizing yourself helps you with satisfaction. It gives you satisfaction. And how does that happen? You know, if you know everything about yourself that there is to know, or you can genuinely say to yourself that you've tried your best to find out 
everything about yourself that you need to find out. You have satisfaction. It gives you satisfaction. You, you can argue with me what you want, but if you've not tried it, you not know. You get. You have internal peace if you can pinpoint all your problems. Everything that I don't like about my life now, I know why. Everything about my life that is not the way I want it to be, I know why. All my failed relationships, all the issues I've had with different people, I know exactly why it happened. I mean, at least I know my faults in it, yeah? The other person might have greater faults in our falling out, but I know where I went wrong. And it's not even the time where I say, okay, no, let me give you a chance now. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, I know what I did, where I actually erred. Not sarcastically, like I gave you a chance, no. And that gives you satisfaction. But if you're depressed, I will tell you this. The thing that you would do, number one cure for depression is purpose. If you have purpose, you won't be depressed because you will have something to look forward to. You will have hope. And hope and purpose cures any form of depression whatsoever. And I know depression has causes. You might lose somebody so dear to you, somebody you've known all your life, like an identical twin, for example. That might throw you into depression. But I guarantee you, first of all, the dead person doesn't want you to be depressed. If they do, then they are, you know, they don't, you shouldn't even be in the first place. Everybody wants you to be depressed doesn't like you. So the dead person doesn't want you to be depressed. That's one reason why you should get up. You get and then you need purpose in your life because now this person dying has showed you that life could be taken at any moment without any warning and it means that you should do more with your life find the purpose and also have hope that you can be more than you are right now before your own time comes you know i mean if you really put your mind to it there's a lot of things you can do to escape all these negative emotions and that's where it happens so like i'll say this the number one best feeling in the world it's not happiness, it's satisfaction. Satisfaction is not contentment, but if you're satisfied, if you're truly satisfied, I guarantee you, happiness doesn't even come close. Happiness is always fleeting. You can have satisfaction for a long period of time. You can have satisfaction from when you're 25 until you die. But you cannot have, you cannot have happiness that entire time. You, you're not a madman. Nobody's going to be happy for 10 years straight. There will be bad days, but even in your bad days, if you have satisfaction, you're fine. Deep down, you're fine. Nothing is eating you from the inside. I just hope that this has helped. Remember to like, remember to subscribe, check out our other content. So you're going to be getting more from me. Uh, and yeah, the ride is for sale. I'll catch you later. Peace.